Welcome to Cleveland's newest and Cleveland's best sports podcast. This is Two Guys in a Mic with your hosts Ron Pierce and Sean Davis. Let's go. All right, welcome to another edition of Two Guys in a Mic. Uh, we haven't been with you guys since the Super Bowl, so definitely wanted to, um, you know, reach out to you guys today with a little content. And I wanted your host, Big Sean. And I am RP. What's going on, people? It's good to uh, be with you guys. It's good to be with you again, Sean. Uh, yes, sir. This Definitely been, doing, they're, they're doing snowmageddon today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just about to say, it's been, it's been a kind of a crazy uh, last couple of days. I mean, uh, you know, here being here in Cleveland, we are used to having some winter wintery weather, we're used to that. But we're seeing, I think I just saw a thing today where 70% of the country is getting snow right now within right. these last uh, day or so. Which the only is decent nothing. spot is South Florida right now. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only decent spot. South Florida, how you doing uh, to my people down in uh, Fort Lauderdale? That's where my... Uh, my wife's people are kind of residing or have resided. They've since moved uh, towards uh, Orlando, but we still know some folks down there. So how y'all doing? We're probably going to come visit real soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold as hell here. And I think uh, proximity-wise, I'm still, uh, where, where I live, it's about a mile or so from Lake Erie. Um, we're right on the border of Euclid going east. Generally, we don't get a lot of snow. It usually passes over us. We'll see a lot of snow. We don't get a lot of snow. Usually the snow belt and then further east as you go towards Euclid, uh, Wycliffe, Willowick, uh, Willoughby, Chardon, et cetera, et cetera, you know, Astabula, all that stuff. Uh, we have like a foot of snow here, at least. At least a foot and a half of snow, actually. So that's saying something because I don't even want to see what people have in Twinsburg. I don't want to see what people have in Minner. I don't want to see what people have in Bedford. My mom, who lives in Bedford, said, you know, my dad had to get out there with the snow uh, plow today. So, you know, that's something that I don't necessarily like because I can't get over there. But, you know, you, it's been bad. But my brother in Houston didn't have power overnight. So at least we had heat here. Yeah, they're dealing with ice. That's a problem with down south because you have the extreme temperature change. So when you have that temperature drop, the way that they do when a storm comes in, they get the, the, the sheet of ice, which is much worse than, than snow. Yeah. You know, snow you can deal with, you can navigate, but that ice, especially that black ice and stuff like that, yeah, that black, it's dangerous. And especially down there, they don't have any type of Right. You no know, salt trucks or snow removal. I, I don't know why anybody would even go out at all down there. And I know people got jobs and stuff they have to go to, but it's not really worth risking your life. You saw that pilot last week they had in Texas. Yeah, and uh, I think you that know. was the Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah, Fort Worth. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I don't think, like, we're, we're very fortunate here in the uh, Great Lakes area. 
because we have this little special thing that nobody in the country likes. Most people in the country hate this little small thing that we have. Um, a lot of, it's called salt, uh, rock salt. We have salt deposits underneath uh, Lake Erie and actually they're underneath each of the uh, Great Lakes. So we mine a lot of salt, but the other parts of the country don't utilize the salt. They think it's better to throw dirt or rocks. When I lived in uh, Anchorage, one of the snowiest, iciest uh, places, coldest places on the planet, at least in the Northern hemisphere, they threw rocks and, and dust and gravel and all that stuff. They threw that stuff down. I don't think that stuff works the same way. My brother, my, my youngest brother lived in Wyoming. He said they did the same thing there. Vegas doesn't get anything when I was traveling back and forth to Vegas. So, you know, they don't use, they don't have a, a system out there. So I'm certain that places like Atlanta, uh, places like Houston, Dallas, they don't have a system. What system? No, when I lived in Alabama, they would put sand on the street, which is ridiculous. That's what I mean. See what I'm saying? They just made, they just made it worse. You might have just left it alone than, than going out. <laughs> just leave, look, just leave. <laughs> just, just leave it alone. Just let me run into the and listen. They only putting it in the intersection, like as you get into the yeah, intersection, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like they're putting it all along the roads, so you're not slowing down at all. You're gonna slam into whoever's in front of you, which was that tragic type of situation that we saw on the uh, on the freeway down in Fort Worth. So, um, you know, uh, much love, many prayers, and blessings upon those families. I think six people died in that. Uh, many yeah. people were hurt and injured. So, you know, my prayers to all of those folks. We make a little bit of light of things, but you can't make light of people getting hurt and people. Right. You know what, too? And also, this kind of speaks for a bigger issue. This is why we need uh, a, a serious infrastructure bill, bill oh, yeah. to redo it. Because, like, okay, I understand that you live in the South, so you very rarely have these type of situations, but their infrastructure is not can't handle it but you need to at least do something where it's you know just in case something like that i mean we're in the richest country in the world that yeah. okay if it gets below zero that your power lines can handle it you know or or ice over they, they can handle it um and really power lines should be underground now anyway you have technology to do it and some places actually do have power lines underground but yeah. nobody wants to put forth nobody wants to uh especially the private sector they don't want to pay yeah. to yeah, redo yeah. the infrastructure to you know to handle things like that man but like you right know, now you still have these issues where people are going you know three and four days without power now if you got a hurricane come through or something like that you know yeah, some stuff, or some stuff you just can't. That you, yeah, you always can't you stop Mother Nature from doing some damage. Yeah. You yeah. know, but, but just because so it gets a little cold and a little icy, you should be able to have some type of. Uh, and that's honestly, that's about, you know, where we're at more. So I have the same issues with the salt trucks. Like to me, if you come through before the salt, before the snow gets here, and just throw down some brine, throw down some, some rock salt. Like, that's what I do in my yard. I throw down rock salt before it all starts, or I shovel early into this uh, situation, throw down rock salt so that when I actually can go out and shovel once everything is over, my bottom layer isn't totally frozen over. 
Right. It creates an, an empty, easy, you know, uh, thing for me to just move out. But I don't understand why they don't do that on the streets or why Uda doesn't uh, participate in that or why uh, the city of Cleveland doesn't participate in that and any other cities as well. But some cities are better at it than others. I won't give Listen, if you ride through Bretton, you ain't, you ain't going to have no problem. Or Beachwood. Man, I just think Beachwood had heated streets. <laughs> I think they do. <laughs> and you yeah. It don't matter how bad it's sidewalk. Right. Because people ain't walking in the streets. People are walking on the sidewalks because it's clear. Like, I don't even understand it. They're right down the street from me. They're probably like five, maybe six minutes away from me. And I go to, listen, I go that way sometimes other than going on 90 just because. I'm like, no, let's just go through Bradnaw. And it's like a smooth ride all the way downtown. Mm hmm. Like nothing has happened. No, uh, I don't care what the blizzard has done. It is not happening in Bradenton. I don't know right. what what control they have over <laughs> all of that stuff, but man, Bradenton got it together. So that you know, shout out to Bradenton. One day, one day, I'm gonna be in Bradenton. One day on the lake too. <laughs> on the lake, not not on the other side of Bradenton. I'm gonna be on the lake. Right. <laughs> The million dollar houses or whatever, but uh, don't let us deviate too far. We're gonna we're gonna get back on uh, on task. So today we only have a couple topics, uh, you know, as the show kind of moves forward. We're gonna start with the Cavaliers, only because the Cavs actually we've had two teams uh, in the kind of in a national spotlight here. Uh, but we're going to start with the Cavs. So the Cavs have been in a national spotlight recently within the last two or three days because we have a situation that we knew was going to be a situation. Sean and I actually even addressed this in our show uh, some months ago uh, about Andre Drummond. We knew when he got signed that he actually only got signed because there was nowhere else he was going to get $30 million to do what he does. Not that he's bad. He's not a bad ball player. But to get $27, 28000000 million a year at this point, it's not a lot of teams that's going to dole that out. I don't think DeAndre – I was about to say DeAndre Aiden. I don't think Andre Drummond is going to get that kind of money and another contract. Now, I've said that before, and I've been proven wrong, but that's just my opinion. I don't think there's teams that are trying to pay a seven-foot dude that doesn't stretch the floor, so to speak. I don't know that he's going to get plus 25 uh, million, that is. So, Sean, can you tell me if I'm off base with that thought mm -hmm. process, or what do you think? No, I think you're absolutely right, um, especially the way that the game is played now, where if it's more of an outside end game, um, you want your center to be more of either just a rim protector um, and not necessarily a low post scorer. Now, you want a guy that can offensive rebound, you know, do putbacks, um, every now and then dunk it down, you know what I mean, have a little versatility to score. 
but he's not your main focus. Not like back in the day when you had a King and Patrick Ewing and right. Um, right. those guys, you could dump it down to them, you know, and kind of work inside out where they could, you know, look look at the floor, kind of scan in the post and make plays out of the post. You know, like right. the team and Brad Doherty and Patrick, those guys were kind of great passers too. Um, oh, they yeah. can kind of get the ball on oh, the first, yeah. kind of survey the floor and make the decision there. Now it's more, you know, you're playing outside in. and But Drummond's game is kind of um, old school. Yeah, it is. So now, you know, you're not going to pay a guy, I don't think that type of money, like somebody had made a point, this is a good point, that Andre Drummond can have 30 points and 23 rebounds and not have an impact on the game at all. And that's like, that's a good point. Ain't that crazy? Ain't that crazy? Because, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, you didn't cut me off, you good. And and, and the way that we grew up with the game, and the way that you and I grew up with the game, a guy had, like you just said, a 30 and 20, listen, if, Hakeem Olajuwon had 30 points and 20 rebounds. Who do you, who would you say won the game? Exactly, the Rockets. The and Rockets. Two, because the game was played, okay, we're going to get their center or, or their best rim protector or defender. We're going to get him in foul trouble. So he'll be going down to, to a king, and we're going to put that pressure on you to make you defend them. They got to keep switching people in and out. Right. So and if you're coming double team, a yep. king, I'm kicking it out to Vernon Maxwell. I'm kicking yep. out to Kenny Smith, yep. Otis Thorpe, whoever that can yep. hit either a three or a mid-range or, 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 or whatever. OT, OTIS was dope at hitting that 17-footer. Uh, he can hit that 17-footer on a regular basis. So, yeah, right. you hear that from where we grew up from and how we grew up watching the game, that was – that was a, a game-changing – those are game-changing stats. You're absolutely right. Those aren't happening right now. Uh, I also would throw David Robinson in that same category. Yeah, 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 most definitely. You know, those guys that really just download change the game. Like, you just can't – if you're trying to single-cover him with John Conkac or with, with some basic center, Man, we about to eat you alive tonight. It's like, come on, bro. We about to kill you. You know, you're going to single. John Conkak, even on a Brad Doherty, and I wasn't even a big Brad Doherty fan. But Brad about to eat this dude tonight. Like, that's – those are the, the low-post guys that we grew up watching, the McHales, the Parishes, the Darties, the Nances. Nance was dope in the, the low-post, too. Right. So we ain't taking – James Worthy. We ain't taking nothing away from none of those guys. The game ain't played that way anymore. So what uh, some of these guys used to do, uh, Carl Malone's, when he would get 30 and 15. Carl Malone, if you saw a stat line when we grew up or when we were getting to be grown men, a 30 and 15, Utah won. And you knew Utah won. Sean is absolutely right. You can watch now for some reason. You can watch DeAndre. Um, why do I keep calling this guy DeAndre? Uh, you can watch Andre Drummond get 25 points and 20 rebounds, and they lose by three. 
that's almost some unheard of. Those are some unheard of type of stats, stats, but it tells you where the game is going. So I just don't see this dude making that kind of uh, same kind of money going forward. And he's still as valuable as he is because I think he still gets you somewhere close to about four, uh, somewhere between four and eight extra possessions just by himself. Mm-hmm. It gets you somewhere close to four to eight possessions, I think. Even with that, that's not $30 million. Like on the equivalent, like you're doing a lateral move. I don't think right. money-wise laterally is going to work. Again, I could be wrong, and there could be a team that does that. So we know when he signed this contract that this is what was going to happen. That we were basically signing him to trade him at some point. We discussed that. We knew that, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, so, okay. So here we are at that point. We're at that point, and now the Cavs have asked Mr. Drummond to have a seat. There is, now I, I just had this discussion and we all understand this. So, so let me speak on this from, from, the, from, the, uh, from the organizational, from the organizational standpoint. The organization is looking at it like, yo, listen, we're, we've been trying to move the guy. We've been trying to figure some stuff out. I don't think that they would have set him without having a discussion with him. So I think he's okay with it. That's my initial thought. Secondly, and I'll, and I'll ask Sean to chime in on his opinion from this particular standpoint, and then we'll get into what happened with uh, Draymond Green. I think the team actually, I think they spoke with him. Maybe even discussed a buyout because I I spoke on that on one of on the IG and yeah. on the right because they were actually a whispers about that kind of a thing. So I think this has been something that's been working itself. To <clears throat> so they couldn't work out a buyout. So now they're saying, "Yo, just have a seat, man, and we're gonna get you out of here." I think that the agent understood that this is what was gonna happen. I think that this is what. Drummond understood what's going to happen. I think this is what the Cavs expected was going to happen. So I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Like So my comment towards what some other folks said was the Cavs are tanking the season. No, they're not. The Cavs aren't tanking the season. I think that the Cavs are doing their due diligence in terms of an organization. They have to protect any asset that they're trying to trade. So they don't want this dude to go out there and blow out an Achilles. Now you got to continue to pay this dude. And now you lose. Because nobody's going to trade for him and he still leaves at the end of the year. You know what I mean? So that's my thought process from that one-dimensional angle. So from that one-dimensional angle, Sean, from the one-dimensional angle of the organization, Tell me that you see something different or did I miss something or do you feel the, the thing that's weird about this situation is when I heard it on the radio, like doing a little 
you know, what they call it, the 2020 breaks or whatever. Right, right. And right. they're talking about because normally you sit a guy, once you have the trade in place, it was like, okay, this guy's not going to play tonight because uh, he's about to get traded and you don't want to have him get hurt. Or the deal has already actually been done and they wait for the NBA approval. So, you know, whatever. But they said that the trade, they said that he's going to sit until they can trade him until the trade deadline, which is a month from now. It's a month from now. That's so, the part that that's the part that really caught my ear. I'm like, wait a minute, you gonna have this guy agree. sit a whole month? Now, again, you know, again, don't. I don't want you to give me that from a, 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 a fan or from an analyst standpoint. I want you to give me. The viewpoint from the vantage point from the organization. So yes, what do you think? That, yeah, like so like, what do you think the organization is thinking and in, in that moment? Like seriously, what do you think they're thinking? So to me, that sounds like it's something else going on. Like maybe there's an issue because that you said you're hearing stuff now that come out that you know JB Bickerstaff had to you know get on Andre about his worth ethic during a game that he's been dogging a little bit. So I um, go ahead. No, I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm listening to you, and I'm like. So, 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 so. Basically, what it says to me is like, okay, we need. We're like, we're going to trade you, uh, but we're going to go. So, so, since you're no longer in our long-term plans, we're going to go ahead and and play the guys that okay. we feel that going to be here. So now. You know, because we want Jared Allen to be the starter anyway. So this that's a long the second guy for a whole month, and you're paying him you thirty million. That's a long time, especially what like what if you end up not dealing at the end of the day? That's yeah. what I'm saying. But so the second guy for a whole month right. that just didn't sound right to me because Detroit is doing the same thing with Blake Griffin, and I'm yeah, sure yeah, knowing yeah. Blake Griffin, yeah, but Blake is in on it too, and this is yeah. what I'm. This this is now I'm kind of playing devil's advocate. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate, but I'm trying to uh, juxtapose myself as the general manager, as the president, as the owner for what we're trying to do from the calf standpoint. Not necessarily looking at it from the, the fan or the player standpoint. Right. So I'm I'm kind of being an asshole right now. And I, I'm saying that out loud so that you don't be like, man, what you talking about? Right, I want right, you to right. understand that's where my angle is coming from right in this particular moment. So okay. as the team, that's why I said, I think they had a discussion. I think they've had a discussion because when you talk potential buyout, you can't tell me that you talk potential buyout and you didn't think that this might happen next. I just didn't think that they found a figure to buy him out. So, and that's a lot of money, by the way. It is. To, to, to try to find a position to buy a guy out. That's a lot of money. And I said that, again, this is not the first time that Sean and I have had this discussion. We talked about it when it happened. We thought it was a no-brainer being uh, Andre Drummond. We thought this was a no-brainer. When are you going to get $28 million again? For no reason. You better opt in, 
I would. So that made us both know, because we know how the NBA works, we knew that there would be a trade or a buyout. And when Sean brought up buyout, I believe, when Sean brought up buyout, I said, that's a lot of money to buy a dude out, bro. That's a lot of money to buy. We talking about 28, I think it's 28.7. Right. That's that's a lot of dough to buy. What's the middle ground on that? That's a lot of upfront dough. I didn't think that the buyout was going to happen. I didn't. Right. I really not, didn't think so either. I'm Especially not saying if you want to get something strong. back, you want to get some type of asset. Yeah. You know, yeah. back in return. Now, the, the, the thing that's just still weird to me, though, is like normally when this stuff happens, there's a trade in place. Something about to go down. No, I haven't heard anything. Yeah. Only, thing, only thing I heard was that Toronto was the potential team that he was going to get dealt to. But I haven't heard anything since then. No rumors, no rumblings. But here's um, the thing. Or anything. No, you go ahead. Keep talking. Because I'm about to look this. Yeah, so, so I think it's more so. Because I could watching some of the games, you know, I would look at Andre Drummond's face. And I could kind of see a frustration in his face. Especially during crunch time. Because a lot of times down the stretch for whatever reason he was taken out of the game and i think that was so colin and garland yeah. and the smaller yeah. guys to have more room yeah. to operate yeah um and you would have like uh, jared allen in there down the stretch for your defender and your rebounding and i could see andre Drummond getting a little bit frustrated um and then i'm hearing the stuff about with him and bickerstaff not necessarily getting into it or nothing crazy, but JB calling them out a little bit as far as uh they just not seeing out of eye. Yeah, not out of eye on some stuff. So I think like you were saying, it was kind of thing like, hey, you know what? At this point in time, just have a seat. And you know, you're still getting paid, you know, and just chill out. Now, here's something else too that's kind of just a little bit off topic. Okay. I think Kevin Love is in the same boat. Oh, for sure. It's a little bit for different. Sure. Kevin Love. Kevin Love and and listen, listen we're going to get to Kevin Love in a second. I'm glad you yeah. brought I'm super glad you brought that up. But I think I think you're app you're a spot listen, this is again a disclaimer. It's one of the reasons why I had this dude on my show. <laughs> because he has the adept insight to bring up stuff that I ain't even we just had a production meeting and I ain't even bring this up in the production meeting. But he did that's the, the foresight that I'll be talking about yeah. that you gotta have to have a show. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate yeah, it. Love ain't hurt. So he keep getting he's oh, having this team. Oh, They're trying to see if they can find a trade partner well, for him. Again, you're um, talking about well. another thirty thousand, uh that's thirty thousand. You talking about another thirty million dollar dude. Another dude that's making a ton of money. And I'm not 100% sure that it works for what the Cavs are attempting to do, whether it's whether they're going to be successful with it or not. You do have to have cap space. And I don't know what cap space you're going to have with those two heavy. That's one reason that Tristan ain't back. They would have yeah, brought Tristan once, back. Actually, once Drummond goes... Um, they actually will have quite a bit, even when Kevin Love. Oh, no, they don't have a ton of it. Yeah, because you dumped a lot of salary. Yeah, they dumped a lot of salary over the last year. 
But think about how much would be more, uh, how much more will be opened up if you get rid of, of love, if you can, too, for the right price. Exactly. Because you do still have assets. Because listen to me, Kevin Love can still play basketball. He's still a 6'10 dude who can, who can play. He just ain't playing that well for us. If he goes to the right situation, if he if that dude goes to uh, uh, Brooklyn, or if that dude goes to LA, it changes the dynamic. It's not a bad move for either one of those teams. Um, exactly. But now, what uh, what Draymond Green said, I'm not sure if you guys heard. Yeah, um, yeah. Draymond was like it's a double standard where you know if a player asks to be traded, you know he's demonized. Um, you know, he's called all kinds of names and stuff like that. But on the flip side, a team can just tell a healthy guy now that you're that, that you're going to sit and we can trade you to whoever we want to trade you to. Um, and I think he actually had um, an excellent point with that in, in a sense where because like here's here's my thing. This is my opinion on everything. Like now and I'll use James Harden as an example. I use him and Anthony Davis. I don't have a problem with the guy asking out and wanting to go somewhere else that his right that's his right as a as a free man as a grown man to want to go play somewhere else now basketball is different with professional sports in general because you're under contract that means that your livelihood most of the times under the control of, of management of that team as far as where you go right. um but for god this situation is not working he's been there for a while for whatever reason he wants to go elsewhere, that's fine. And I don't have a problem with that. The only problem I have when these guys do this is now the precedent is, okay, um, I asked to be traded. They're not moving fast enough for me. So now either I'm going to dog it on the court or cause a disruption in the locker room and make it so uncomfortable that they have to move me. Now that to me, I don't like because that's unprofessional. Um, you're making you're making 14, 13, 14, 15, 30 million dollars a year. Now that doesn't mean that you're not human and you don't have emotions and stuff like that. But still, you still owe it to your teammates that when they put you out there on the floor to go out there and give it, you know, your hundred, you know, 10%. Because you got other guys out there that's that has a lot that may not be making as much money as right. you, but they're trying, they're trying to get to your point and maybe they need your their money matters to too. Their money matters. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the only issue I have um, with that. But other than that, we're wanting to go somewhere. Even the way Le LeBron does, LeBron leaves, he does it perfectly. LeBron just says, I'm going to put myself in a position contractually that I'm going to honor my contract. But then once it's up, now I can make a decision what, what I want to do. Um, and, I, and I'm all for more player empowerment. That yeah. way you're starting to see it a little bit more. I just want to be to be done with some type of ethics and do it the right way. Now, some people may come and say, well, the team isn't being ethical. And that's what Draymond's point. And I actually agree with that too. I think both parties need to come to some type of uh, um, conclusion. Some where middle ground. Yes, yeah, what I meant. Like some type of middle ground. Yeah, yeah. You know, when it comes to stuff like that. Um, I knew you were going, bro. Uh, right. I agree. Uh, well, I, I actually probably uh, nearly 100% with everything you just said. Um, and I, I just, I, first of all, I can't believe that I'm agreeing with uh, Draymond Green about any damn thing. 
but he's absolutely correct. I think that there is a double standard when a team wants to trade you. It's okay to sit you. But when this dude wants to be traded, there is a vilification of the dude. Let's be honest. Now all of a sudden he sucks. Or now all of a sudden he's turning on uh, the franchise that quote-unquote made him. I've heard that about Kobe. You know, Kobe wanted to, to, to leave. Uh, he, he actually asked the Lakers to be traded. People forget that. He did. He, he, he almost ended up in Chicago. People wanted. People yeah. were mad at Kobe for wanting to be traded. Of course, and I think as fans take it personal, fans take it as of course we do a, a, as a rejection of them and of the city. Like, oh, you don't want to be here, but people, but, but think we don't see, we don't see the, you don't see the, the business the, part of it. Yeah, we don't see the business part of what's going on behind closed doors. Right. Also, um. They always blame. I talked about this before when they draft a young kid in any sport. They always blame the player when he doesn't pan out. They never blame the organization. Oh no, um, they never they're not possibly developing the kid. You know the the right way. All we see is what's on the floor. All we see is what's on TV. Kind of like like the finished product. We don't see what's going on behind the scenes. And there are a lot of. We, we tend to think because these are billion dollar organizations that they're all running with. Right. And right, not, right. we know that first right, right. dealing with the Browns all these years. Yeah. That there's a lot of places that Listen. are dysfunctional. And if you're a player and you get sent somewhere, so you, you get traded somewhere and you're under contract for three, four years, you're in this bad situation. Now, yeah, you're making millions of dollars, but, but if you're a type of guy that wants to win, it don't and change one of the fact that you're in a bad yeah. ass situation. Right. And 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 I, you know what? And I I I will give Sean this level of credit because uh some years ago we drafted this kid and I gave this guy the blues and I gave him the blues after he was gone and I never gave him room to I never gave room or understanding that, man, it's a lot going on. Sean was one of the only people who stood up to me, because sometimes I guess uh, I can be a little bit overbearing. I'm not, I don't know about any of that, but Sean was the only person that stood up to me and said to me, nah, man, you can't say that. I'm talking about Tim Couch. Sean thought Tim Couch now, he's not going to say Tim Couch was great, but he thought Tim Couch just kind of got a raw deal. Sean was one of the first people that said that to me. Anybody I had ever talked to thought Tim Couch stunk. I thought Tim Couch stunk. Sean was like, well, you got to think, man. He was in a bad situation. He had a bad offensive line, which I knew that too. I knew that was bad to begin with. Uh, but you you the one drafted him, so he need to be good then, right? He need to be able to run and move and yeah, understand this offensive line. Bad, bad coach. He had an awful coach. It, and, I, and listen, let me rephrase that. I don't know that he had an awful coach. I think his coach was dependent upon the folks that were in front of him. They didn't get him what he needed to be the coach either. That's fair. 
I'm just, you know, like if I got to look back at the whole thing and call it what it was, but you're absolutely correct on your whole projection of everything, bro. Nobody says what I just said and what you said to me. Some of this ain't just on the people that's there. We can blame Chris Palmer and we can blame Tim Couch. But this ain't all on Tim Couch, Chris Palmer, or Butch Davis. A lot of this is on Carmen Policy. Uh, 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 what's my guy name? Uh, Dwight, Dwight Clark. Clark. That whole Al Lerner even. Al Lerner that he wasn't no football dude. He was just a business guy. Right. It's sort of like the business that I was in. When you have and I, I used to meet these CEOs who were, let's say, uh, guys who opened up a pencil factory, but you made a, a million dollars opening up a pencil factory. Now you want to go into a whole nother industry, but because you run a pencil factory, you want to tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about in this industry. Don't you run a goddamn pencil factory? You don't know about this. Right. And that's kind of what we saw because Al Lerner ran, uh, what's that? Uh, um, MBNA. 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 I always call it LBC. MBNA <laughs> <laughs> uh, out there in uh, Beachwood. He ran MBNA, a credit card company. He was a financer. He wasn't a football guy. He didn't know. So he hired football people to run that play. And now let's not act like Al Learner didn't know nothing about football totally because he also helped move the Browns out of Cleveland. He helped Which in my mind, I think is why we have bad karma from the beginning. You know, when but he bought the team, but, but that's another story. That's a whole nother story. Another day. We ain't gonna, look, that's why I kept saying, but the whole time, we're not about to get into that because we'll be talking about that by itself right. for the rest of the evening. So where I'm going with this is Sean is absolutely correct. We don't give the teams from the from the owner to the general manager to the president, possibly, whoever are the intermediaries from the owner all the way down to the coach. We always blame coaches and we always blame quarterbacks. We don't always blame what happened above them. Only time we gave that one caveat was with uh, uh, what's the defensive coordinator that just got fired by uh, uh, the, the Green Bay? Oh, my uh, Pet. Pet. That was the only one caveat we gave to him is that he was in such a toxic situation that wasn't his fault per se. And that's just talking about the Browns. We're still talking about the Cavs. There's still a lot of people that are angry with uh, uh, Dan Gilbert for him putting out that tweet against LeBron. Right. Even though LeBron came back, there are still people angry at him for that. You can't tell me that doesn't play against what the team is trying to do. And it does. So now you got Andre leaving. There's no way we're going to get and this is why the Cavs are trading this guy. And this is why this is smart on the Cavs' part. 
ain't nobody coming here to play for Dan Gilbert because of some of that stuff. So you have to move this guy. I tried to tell one of my guys that they was like, man, the Cavs tanking the season. No, they're not. The Cavs ain't tanking shit. But the Cavs don't have no options in this particular situation. They have to move this guy to get right. more. And then once again, man, this is people who don't, who are delusional. And we talked about this, and this is probably going to move into our next topic too. Um, what do we say um, on the show before our Super Bowl show? Was that the Cavs about to move into a very tough phase of the schedule in February and that it was going to get real ugly and it's going to be bloody. And what has happened? The Cavs have been bludgeoned to death in the last <laughs> Well, they lost like eight games wait, in a row. Wait, wait, did you just say bludgeon? They have been. They've been bludgeoning to death. It's been hard to watch. And it they ass kicked. They got their ass kicked all, all up and down this West Coast road trip. Yeah. And I told you because yeah. the Cavaliers are not yeah. that good of a team. That Listen, roster is built that roster is not good, and they're not. It's they don't not have good. any length. They don't have any length. We've talked about that, which is why we thought adding. Uh, you know, Jared Allen, you know, uh, uh, a Prince and all those guys. Having some length helps us, but it also hurts us because now you got this piece that you knew you weren't going to keep to begin with. Yeah, they're, they're just not good. And um, the thing is, too, so we have fool's goals. So when the Cowboys beat Brooklyn back-to-back -back and, and Colin Sexton had those good games, what it did was it put Colin Sexton on notice. It was like, oh, because nobody was checking for the cat. Nobody was paying the Cavaliers no attention. Now this dude all over Sports Center. Well, y'all start talking about this dude averaging twenty points. Well, guess yeah. what happened? Now we're paying attention to him. So now, when you force the ball out of Colin Sexton's hands, who's going to be the other? Who's the other score? Who else can get a bucket on their own on that team? Absolutely nobody. Nobody. So yes, the Cavs play hard. They play a little bit better defense, but when they but you go up against these upper echelon teams, you don't have the horses to compete. So yeah, when we play the Knicks and when we play um Chicago team, we play Detroit, when we play Chicago, Chicago Detroit, uh yeah. you know, those those teams that you can got Memphis, those teams that you might yeah. be able to go back and forth with. But right. when you start to play the Golden States. And the Bucks, Clippers. the Clippers, Lakers. The Lakers. You're going to get your ass blown out. Now, having said that, tell me this, bro. This is about the Cavs. It's going back to, uh, to the Cavs. Mm -hmm. You think the team is, 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 is not responding or quitting on bigger staff. And I'm only asking, now, now listen to yeah. me again. I'm I don't want you to think I'm being an asshole. I want you to understand I'm asking this in a vacuum because of where the team is going right now. Now, I know what me and you have talked about, but I want you to reiterate because I already know where you're getting ready to go. I just need you to reiterate yeah. where we're, what we've talked about because I keep hearing that the team is tanking on this, on this dude. I don't think so. I just no, think not. we're not equipped. Exactly. They're just bad. Like, once again, Cleveland, we love mediocre players. We think that because this is the tip, because we watch them every day. 
we can see some of the talent that they have. It was like, well, we got talent just like so-and-so has talent and we elevate our guys on a higher pedestal than we should. Yeah. No, like Colin Sexton is not. Here's here's something else for for people. Colin is good. I don't know about Colin. Colin, that might no, be the truth. He is, but here's my thing. So people have to understand, and this is the problem with the Sports Center generation um, and everything, man. Like you, because Colin Sexton can average 20, 24 points a night. It's a it's it's the it's a different type of twenty four. Like it's hard for yeah. in the NBA, it's hard for your main score to be the the little guy, the point guard, and you have success. That does not work in the NBA um, at all. Um, I'll give you I'll give you a classic example. Dame Lillard, one of my favorite players. Yep. I love his, his attitude. Killer. Yep. But you know what? He's your lead guard and your leading scorer. Important will never win that way. I've been telling people that, and people say I'm crazy. It's like, well, yes, you can. They, they got him and CJ. I was like, no, bro. When, when it comes down to, to crunch time and late in the games, they always take those two guys away, and they don't have anybody else of size or length on Portland that can go get a bucket consistently. And now you when got they name out there when shooting. they want to, because the only right. person that can get a bucket when they want to. Is dang. Right. And, and you can, with, with, with the little guy, you can put, and it's not even so much taking them away. You can lean on them, bump them, push them, hit them, and no, they're going to wear no, down no, towards correct. the end of the game. It's just a part of no. basketball. You want uh, the, the closest, break. right? The closest little guy to get their team almost to a championship was Allen Iverson. That's incorrect. Allen did almost get his team, but there's only been one little guy that won championships. Who was that? Isaiah Thomas. No, but he wasn't the, necessarily the lead scorer, was, though. Was, listen, who was the best player on that team? No, but see, no. See, here's no, my thing. That's no, no. Again, who was the best player on that team? He was the best player, but he wasn't taking all the shots. You see, you see what I'm saying? No, 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 no. There you go. Now that's now, what I'm saying. Now I'm with you. Now I'm with you. Yep. Now I'm with you. Because you're absolutely 2,000% correct. It's really tough for a 5'10", and I don't care what nobody say, Isaiah Thomas wasn't much bigger than 5'11". Right. Ish. I met the dude, and I looked him square in the eye, and I'm 5'10". Um, there's not many people. Allen Iverson is another one which is why I give him all the props in the world. When you're a little guy and you can pull your team to that stage, it's incredible. But it ain't, once we get done talking about those two guys, where else do we go with that conversation? Yeah, and like Isaiah was a floor general. It wasn't like, so Isaiah is going to, he's going to set up the offense. He's going to distribute. So you have Dumars who can score. You have Vinny Johnson come off the bench who can fill it up. And but you, you had know, a bunch of role players. But you also know that Isaiah could give you 48 when he felt like Right. Because Isaiah Look. really only averages career. He only averages about 18 points a game. But 18, he can give you 48 if you wanted to. But, yeah, when he needed to, he could do that. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Iverson had to go out and put up 35-40 every night yeah. to get Philly to where they had. And that's where I'm going. Dame Lillard has to go out there and score 30 
every night to get Portland up there. And that's what I'm saying. You can't have that type of pressure no, on your I'm with you, bro. guard I, I in order to win the championship. Yeah, I got you. I wasn't, I wasn't against you. I just was trying to to to, to drive that because there there would be people who would listen to this and say that you were saying there's no way Dame Lillard can win a championship, number one, or that little guys can't win championships, and that's nope. That's right, why I wrote that in the middle of what you were saying to okay. drive you to that point so that nobody can question what we're talking about. We're talking about guys that can lead a team without, like, Dame can't score 45 a night and lead that team to a championship. Dame has to score. He has to be capable of scoring 45 a night, like Isaiah. But having guys on his team where he can only average about 20 and still hit those clutch shots and still pull his team when he needs to. But Nurkic needs to show up. Uh, 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 CJ needs to show up because CJ disappears too. Because there's no reason. Listen, both of those dudes can average 25. But when they get to certain parts of the playoffs, CJ don't I'm going to tell you something else too when people are going to disagree with me on this too because people fall in love with Dame taking them 85-foot shots. Those are horrible shots. They're terrible. And because they go in 20% of the time. <laughs> you almost made me choke. <laughs> why, why, do you do this? why do you do this? I, I swear that you got like, do you have life insurance on me? Every week, <laughs> every week, I start having a drink and then you will say some goofy shit like that. And I swear that you trying to take me out now. I, I, I'm going to start watching, bro. No, people, really people, they fall in love with it all. Look, I was like, man, that's those are horrible shots. They'll do it'd be like 21 seconds left on the shot clock. This dude to come down and, and take a shot from half court. And but because it goes down, now, bro. That's huh? you being old school. That's you and me, by the way. Not just you. That's you and me being old school. And that's what the game is now. Like, and that's could you imagine? Could you imagine if Steve Kerr or 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 Mark Price, uh Craig Elo? Just cross center court and took a shot. Yeah. Man, Coach Lene would have had that dude buried so deep on the bench it would have been too. There were a couple of old school guys I used to do that, but they never won nothing. But that wasn't that. But that wasn't the norm. So it you was. had a couple guys. Now, now tell me this: those couple guys, and I already know who those guys are because I've talked about those guys. You had a couple guys who did that. Out of those couple guys, how many of them got championships? Or not not one. See, see, see? Which is why when people give Chuck issues when, when Charles Barkley say, uh, you know, you can't do that shooting that many threes, that's where he came from. That's where he played with Chuck Persons. Chuck Persons was that guy. Chuck, listen, Chuck Persons was coming again. <laughs> Oh, I'm coming in the game. And they would hit some of those. Like you say, maybe one out of four, that's 20%. But he hit one. So yeah, see, he that again. And I look at the game a little differently. I don't look at the ones he made. I look at the ones he missed it, missed and when he missed them. That's what I at that's, one point top point in the game. Thank you. Thank you. And that's what that's what matters. Chuck person, 
And this is why I don't care when people tell me that uh, Steph Curry is the greatest shooter that's ever lived. I'm like, I don't believe that. I just don't. The game was played differently. The game was different. Now, where I will give Steph credit is that Steph hits those at a high percentage. I'm not, listen, I already understand that part. At that point, I can't argue. However, how do we know that if you gave Chuck Persons that same shot, and I'm not saying Chuck Persons is equal. Like like no hands, like the the defenses play differently. Yeah, I get it. To be completely and totally different, uh, like really going to where I really want to go. You trying to tell me Larry Bird could hit some of them shots? Right. You really trying to tell me that? That's, I don't believe that. I believe Larry Bird hit every one of them shots. I think that Reggie Miller hit every one of them shots. Yeah, and I, like Reggie I, and, and I Bird, they would take those type of shots every now and then. Like I said, it just wasn't the, that just it wasn't wasn't the norm how it is. No. You have to understand that when these guys got into the NBA, that the three-point shot only became a a thing in like 82. So that wasn't a part of how the game was played. So to just suggest that this dude is so great because he does it. Listen, Dave Miller hits those same shots. Now, I will say this too, just to be fair. Uh, With the way the game is played now, you do have to have a team that as a team, you have to hit about 35 to 40% of your threes to win. And you do have to do that. So I'm not criticizing Lillard for taking the threes. No, I'm not criticizing him for where he's no, taking the from and, I and know in that, the time I know of the game. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. No, no, I, know, I know that you're not doing that. I get I get what you're yeah. saying. I'm just talking about on a whole other plane. So right. I agree, homie. I, I think I think you and I uh where we usually have some level of a debate, we're not debating on this. I think we, right. we I think we understand what that whole play is, um, from from shooting them threes to what Draymond said <laughs> to, to to Andre Drummond. We we all we get it. I think, and ladies we, and gentlemen, the Cavs are not tanking. They're just the bad. Cavs ain't tanking. Tell your cousin that. That's your cousin now. I was talking about. I'm not saying no names. You know who your cousin is. He thought the Cavs were tanking. I'm like, nah, they're just protecting their thing. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but I do understand what they're doing. And and what you may see, none of the Cavs coming back home for five games against Atlanta and a couple other teams, they may run off three and four games in a row. Because they they can. at home. Because they can. Because you know what? Putting Jared Allen out there uh, in the place of, I think that equates to what? Drummond was going to do. Now, we probably would have won easier, but now you got to do a little bit of work. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I get it. I understand it. But and, I, I like was, they got I some like injuries, too. Like, the Cavs can't afford to have any injuries at all. And, like, Larry Nance being hurt, Larry Nance Jr., who's, like, um, your glue guy. Yeah. Uh, when he when he's not in there, it's a, it's a notable difference um, in your defense. And he just does, like, all the little stuff, like keeping yeah. plays alive and stuff like that. And not having him in there hurts. Um, and also, and I hate that they're starting Darius Garland. And I, I keep telling people that that's not going to work. You can't have two five-foot-ten guards in the backcourt. 
and expect to do anything. Like Garland is nothing, but Garland is going is a, is going to be a good bench player. He's and not a it. starter, bro. He's not he a starter. His game is ugly. Like, he, like his game is runners and floaters, and like if you're a little guy trying to shoot over these tall trees, doing that. Yeah, you're going to have some nice games, but it's not going to be consistent. Darius Garland, you're not a Jedi. No, and they turn and they turn the ball he, over a lot too. And he somebody tells Javale McGee to stop bringing the ball up the court and making dumb passes. Just stop it. You get, get the rebound, pass the ball, though, bro. Yes, and exactly. That's, that's why I get on JP, JB. Nobody gets on that. Yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody saying nothing to him, bro. So of course he's gonna bring it up. Ain't nobody say, "Hey, man, hand the damn ball off." People uh, forget that Javale McGee. See, when JaVale McGee went to Golden State and the Lakers, it kind of washed that goofball status off of him. And now that he's with a bad team, the goofball status yep, is back. Yep, he, yep, it, it comes and back. Then he was on Shaq and the Fool. Yeah, yeah. Every yep. day. Every every yep. day he was on Shaq and the Fool for doing something stupid. Yeah. And even, those teams, so when he was on the Lakers and Golden State, he was being held accountable. What'd you say? I said, even when he was on good teams, it was times when he would be on Shaq and the Fool because he would just deviate. He would deviate. Right. I mean, you didn't see it as often, but he still would deviate because exactly. you know when you are when you are ahead when you play with Golden State and you are ahead by thirty, that changes the dynamic in your head. So now you go out there and you do some goofy ass shit, and that's what he would do. He would go out there and be on sacking the food, you know. But it wasn't as bad as when he was with the Lakers or with you know with other teams. To where you were like, man, what's wrong with this dude? It wasn't the same right. way. You just saw it. You saw it differently uh, with Golden State, or you saw it differently, you know, with the teams where he or with the Lakers because he didn't do it as often. Now he's back to being himself because ain't nobody finna say nothing to him, and that's on JB. You got to rein that guy in. He shouldn't be bringing the ball up at all. And he probably he's on the, on the last year of his contract too. So I'm I gonna think be surprised so. I think so. if. Uh, I think they go so. ahead and ship him up out of here too. So uh yeah, Darius Garland, you know, apparently you need to connect with somebody from the Degaba system uh so that you can get your uh, uh Jedi uh pin yeah, right. or something. Cause I, I don't what I, happened I, I, to I've never been a Darius Garland fan. I haven't been. I I'll, I'll deal with them, but I've not been a Darius. See, Garland. if if what happened to little guys setting up the offense. That's you know what I'm saying? Like I think I think if Darius Garland came in as a backup as that's that point guard to, to set everything up and score occasionally, I think he'll be fine in that role. But he come but in trying to score 25 minutes a night. But when you draft a dude as a lottery pick, they're not trying to wait for this dude to figure his life out. They yeah. want him to pan out. And that's on the Cavs. Like, that's the Cavs' fault. Y'all drafted him. Y'all are the ones who drafted another six-foot-one-ish, two-ish dude who was dressed like Mace Window, <laughs> who yeah. wasn't a damn Jedi, by the way. This dude right. ain't even a Jedi right now. That's why I say he need to go to the Degaber system and go holler at my man <laughs> Yoda just to figure out what he gonna do next, man. And you better hope, yeah. you better hope 
that uh, Ben Kenobi vouches for you uh, in his ghost form. Because look, look, Luke Skywalker almost did the other two. He was cold. And Luke was cold. Uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Uh, dude dressed up like Mace Windu. You're not that dope. You're not Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker was dope, son. Go to right. the human system and create oh. life up. If you're too small to be trying to beat us, you cannot start two dudes at 6162. And right. that's your backcourt. Not anymore. Now, when you got guys that are 6'7, uh, as a shooting guard now, you got shooting guards that are 6'7. What are these guys going to do against those guys? Exactly. And that's why we said that Kevin Porter Jr. was the key to the Cavs rebuild. Yep. Once he, when he flamed yep. out and we traded him, I said, that's it. The Cavs were about to go into the, into the shitter. Cause now you don't have, you don't have that to look forward to. And yep. even Houston doesn't trust him. He's in the G league right now. He in G league balling. Um, but now we, we we need a guy, an athletic wing or two, somebody who can create their own shot consistently. We only got two guys kind of like that, and that's just Sexton and, and Garland. Um, I like some of the other pieces. I think Okoro is going to be a very good defender. He just out there looking lost right now. He's kind of like because he on the he guarding the best guy almost every yeah, night. He's at that spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. at that spot. That, that tough spot in the season for one. And yeah. he's, you know, had a lot of back to backs and he's had a lot of games. He's getting baptism by season, fire. If you look at the games that we've accumulated based on the games that he's used to playing, he's already about 15 games past what he's used to playing in a year. Yeah. So, and the kid is only what, 19, 18, 19? Yeah, I, I like the little bit I've seen of Windler. He can't seem to stay healthy. I like him. Um, and I like Colin. So so the Cavs, I mean, they got some work to do, man. Our front office has a lot of work to do to get yeah, a get team out there. It's as simple as that. got to get bigger. I think they have to get longer. But I also think that they have to get, for the type of defense or the type of team that they're trying to put out there, they got to get longer. And they have to get more athletic. They're not that athletic right now. No. And uh that's that's a part of all. So uh let's 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 uh let's check out of the Cavs real uh real quick. Transition to uh the Cleveland freaking Browns. It's easy to talk about the Browns, it's been easy to talk about the Browns for the first time in a long time, and, and we, we we all understand why. We all understand. You know what we're talking about as well. Like, why are we talking about the Browns? Because for the first time in a long time, as you can see my T-shirt, I survived. <laughs> I'm just not noticing that shirt. Playoff drought. We had an 18-year playoff drought here in Cleveland, and guess what? I didn't just survive it. I sat here, watched it, and lived through it. As a season ticket holder, uh, piggybacking on the homie and his uncles on that on his uncle on the a playoff. I mean, on the uh, season tickets, 
Yeah, because you got many, you got many free tickets for me because after week eight, I was done. Man, so. man, <laughs> many a free ticket. That's what I mean. Like I, don't, I don't want to underplay nothing. We've been on road trips together, me and this dude, to go watch the Browns play. Like we've seen it and done it all in terms of the Browns over the last uh, eighteen years. So here we are in one of the few times in our existence as as Browns fans and our existence as men that the Browns are an attractive uh, landing spot for people. It's weird. It's weird. We're 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 still so jaded and still so weird that we're sloughing off guys. I don't want that guy. I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I don't want to see that guy in none of my damn outfits or you know, none of my uh, uniform. Like, that's where we are. I mean, we are here. We're here. And people think that the Cleveland Browns are attractive. How? When? Where did this occur? Well, it started with, no matter what I say, no matter how I feel, it started with the hiring of Kevin Stefanski. It did. Kevin Stefanski brought stability to whatever is happening in Berea. Listen, I've been to Berea a million times. I've been past that building a million times. I, if I would have known better, maybe I would have brought some sage with me when I rode past it just to, you know, kind of ward off the nonsense that was happening in there. I didn't know that at the time, but apparently this dude came with a sage incense and made the stuff that was happening in that building kind of, I won't say go away, but it just, everything in the building started to make sense. And I put this on Kevin Stefanski because he's not just the head coach, he's literally the the day-to-day guy. And I say that because I used to be the day-to-day the day guy. When you're the day-to-day guy, you have to be the face. You have to be the guy that generates everything that's occurring. So while I criticize this guy often about his play calling, mostly, I don't really criticize him for anything else. I criticize his play calling and some of the things that he, his philosophies that he believes in, not all of them, but some of them. Only some of them. But I have to give credit where credit is due. This guy brought stability to my favorite team. Not just my favorite football team, my favorite team on earth. And I have to tip my cap, doff my cap to him because of that. Here we are in one of our first off seasons uh, since not just going to the playoffs, but going to playoffs, winning the game, actually almost beating, uh, at the time, the defending Super Bowl champions. So, of course, as soon as the season was over, everybody wants to add other people, other pieces, other things to the Cleveland Browns. I don't know that it all works. I don't know that it all matters. I really don't know. But at the time, this was one of the things that I kind of sloughed off. 
I didn't want J.J. Watt. I damn sure didn't want J.J. Watt at the cost of OBJ and another fourth or fifth round pick. Because let me tell you something. Where OBJ, um, excuse me, where J.J. Uh, Watt is right now, I don't want to give up anything to get him. And I agree. That's, I don't that's been my point too. Nothing. I don't want to give up nothing to get him. Now, three, four years ago, if we could get J.J. Watt for a fifth-round pick, fourth-round pick, let's do it. Man, look, man, I have a half uh, bag of Doritos downstairs that I don't want to give to J.J. Watt at this particular point in time. That's how I feel about that. You know, everybody, everybody else, J.J. Watt this, J.J. Watt that. I got a bag, and it's just the original flavor too. It ain't even a spicy. Ooh, it just said not a half even bag of regular Doritos downstairs, and I'm not getting it. Your cereal from '76 is your cereal from '76. We just say Doritos, not regular flavor. Right. <laughs> ain't even a nacho flavor. Yeah, the original, the original flavor of Doritos. And here's my thing, man. Um. <laughs> Now JJ Watt did play 16 games this last past season. He did. He only had like four or five sacks. So he did. I don't. I just man, um, I don't get what the fact. I think it's just because of the name and that's people all. thinking and people thinking, man, we can just get one more year out this guy, bro. That's all. That's it. You know, that's all it is. Like. Somebody said something on the radio the other day, something about, man, yeah, I'm not going to give J.J. Watt a lot of money. Just two years, 30 million. How much you mean just two years and 30 that's million? That's a lot of damn money. That's, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of damn, damn money. money. That's a lot right. of damn money, too, bro. Right. That's a lot it, of damn It's not my money. It's not my money. They can do whatever they want with it. But just me as a fan, to me, this would be a prove-it year for J.J. Watt. Now, the yeah. Browns gave him yeah. like a one-year deal at about seven to ten million, like a one-year deal, like a proven year, and we don't I'll give up anything else. Twelve. I'll um, even deal with one-year twelve million or something like. Yeah, that. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that, and see, yeah. and, and go for it because therefore, at that point in time, you're not losing anything. Right. And I'm fine with that. I just don't want to give up. And what well, now that he got cut, it's right. not you know you're going to give it's, up. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and that's where I'm. The dynamic has kind of changed. The dynamic has kind of changed. We don't have to give up necessarily uh, a piece or a part to get him. And, 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 and here's a little bit more in depth with where I was going with, with, with that. So JJ is looking for, of course, and I would be too. He's a, he's a tenured guy. He's a, he's a, he's a veteran. He wants a certain setup. He wants a certain kind of, thing around where he goes he don't want to just show up he ain't just leaving to go to uh uh you know uh this team or that team he he wants he ain't going to the jags just to not be in houston right he's 33 or he'll be 33 once uh the season starts i think he turns 33 in uh march if i'm not mistaken so he wants to be a part of a winner he wants to be a part of an organization that looks good. Also, he wants to be a part of an organization that has the money to sign it. Well, I did some research today, and guess who is 
probably most prime for the teams that he is looking in terms of what he says he wants. Guess who's most prime? For no, those it would be us because we got the most cap space. Number one, I think we got like $22 million of cap space uh, going into this year. And we'll probably have more once we start to, you know, release guys or, you know, I, I think we're, we're going to lose Olivier stuff. And then there's some guys that they probably ain't going to pick up when it comes down to roster bonuses going into the next season. So there'll be a few more dollars picked up on that thing. So he understands that part of it. So apparently he wants a certain amount of money. Um, but in terms of the team being the type of team that he wants to come to with the, with the upside, he won't have to play every single solitary down. Right. You know, so it's a plus side for him. He doesn't have to, you know, show up as much because he has a guy on the other side and Miles Garrett, barring, uh, a, you know, an injury, again, looking at it in a vacuum, uh, he got a guy on the other side that he don't have to worry about like that. So it makes it easier for him. Um, J.J. Watt is a 33-year-old guy who's probably got like a 40-year-old body. Maybe more, depending on what's part mm. of the body they lean at. He's not, a, he's not a young guy. I don't care what nobody say. He's, he, listen, before those injuries, though, I think he had about five or six years where he played at least 16 to 15 games every year. He had double-digit sacks. Yeah, like for, he, had, he, had, he, had, he, had a, he had a five-year stretch where he was a monster. Like I said, he has over in his career, despite having the injuries. And, of course, he has over 100 sacks. And he a monster and, in terms of that. Right. And I'll tell you what, man, I want to be wrong about it. I want to be wrong. I want him to come oh, yeah. in and dominate. I just don't, just from the outside looking in right now, I don't know how much gas he has in the tank. But if you can get him at a at a decent price, and let's say he comes in and gets eight to nine sacks, and this has to is the, the presence out there that you have to account for, you know, then, then, then so be it. That's why I'm fine with 11 to 12 million because that's what we gave Olivier. And Olivier had nine sacks. Yeah, you, that's a good point. He that's just a good point. The only problem I have with Olivier was that he didn't do it in tandem. Uh, right. With, with uh, Miles. Yeah. He didn't do it in tandem. Like, it wasn't like Miles got a sack and then the homie came around the edge and got a strip sack. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm looking for when I, when I say I'm paying a dude. 11 million, 12 million, 13 million dollars, 15 million dollars potentially. I don't want the Browns to pay 15 million dollars for this dude for two years. Right. And he gives you a total of 20 sacks. Well, that sounds like a lot. It really ain't a lot for a guy that is JJ Watt at 15 million dollars. Because if this dude gets you 15 sacks, uh, talking about Miles Garrett. Miles had 12 and a half sets, and he missed four games. Yep. So that's nothing. We need you to get more than 15 sets. That's what you're going to pay $15 million for. You need to have guys that are going to get there. J.J. Watt could be a great 
mentor. I don't know that Miles needs another mentor. I mean, he learned from one of the best ever in Bruce Smith. Um, and I can see the difference in his game. You see the lean in his game. Uh, I mean, it's still. Yeah. I don't, but he'll he, he help. You know, he'll help in the locker room overall. He'll, just, he'll be a good guy in the locker room. I just um, think he's an awesome guy in the locker room. I think he'll help everybody. So I agree with yeah. that. And, and, the, and the more veterans you can have in there, the better. Fifteen? Like, I don't know. No, like I said, to me, it's between seven and twelve. Now he ain't gonna take seven. I know that because somebody else gonna give him more than that. You know. So I guess to to be realistic, I'm I'm thinking like between ten to twelve on the one. Ten will be the least he'll take, and a lot of it will be front loaded. The Browns are smart. They'll front load the contract so they can get his money up front, get the dude on the team. And maybe get you know, give him some incentives, you know, incentive right. 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 And, do, and do it that way. Um, I'm sure somebody's going to throw a lot of money at him. Uh, but that, that's, where the Browns have, and that's where the Browns have to be smart. And where they have been smart under Andrew Barry, uh, okay, just because somebody else is doing, don't panic and don't overpay and overreach. I I just think we have leverage because we have the cap space. So the money that he might want, especially the guaranteed money or the upfront money, uh, we're more set up to do that. Because everybody is kind of hamstrung. Yeah, I'm I'm excited um, to see what, because I think free agency starts next month. Yeah, so yeah. I'm excited to see, you know, That's what it. the Browns' thought process is. That'll tell me a lot of about where the focus of the team is. In the uh, there's a couple of other guys that I want to bring up before we get off the air because we're getting ready to get over here in a minute. Uh, that I, I, I just was like, whoa, wait a minute. Because I saw this come up and I said, wait, we, 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 can, we can utilize that guy. Um, hold on a second. Let me, let me talk about the top. Oh, that's NBA. My bad. My ridiculously uh, heavy fingers are landing on stuff I didn't intend for to land on. So, okay. So, you got Dak. You have Chris Godwin as a free agent. He's probably going to get re-signed. Yeah. Um, you have... Allen Robinson was probably probably gonna get re-signed by the uh No the Bears people said the Bears ain't gonna resign Allen Robinson. Like look, the, the Chicago Bears the Chicago Bears are allergic to quarterbacks and good wide receivers. So no, they're not gonna sign Allen Robinson. He's gonna be somewhere else making well, a big listen. listen, I I I'm not disagreeing with you, but I, I'm thinking to myself. How do you let this guy go? He's your best wide receiver. Right. As a matter of fact, the Bears are allergic to anything explosive on offense. <laughs> they'll spend money on defense all day. They'll have a. They'll get guys on defense. Khalil Max of the world. They'll That's do what's going to make them lose Khalil Mack when his deal yeah, is up. Exactly. But when it comes to any type of explosive player on offense, you know they'll they'll, they'll do some dumb shit like go get Jay Cutler and pay him a bunch of money. But other than that, they <laughs> so Allen Robinson would not be a Chicago Bear. Trust me when I say that. He would not be a bear. Ah, uh, that's hilarious. He probably won't. 
here I was trying to get him. And this is why I again I have Sean on the show because he just brings me back to reality. <laughs> they probably won't sign. Man, when the last time the Chicago Bears had an explosive I, offense? Uh they haven't ever. Never. Ever. They've had explosive players. Right. But they haven't like Willie Gault was an explosive player. Uh Force Alshon, Alshon was explosive. Yeah. But they didn't have a quarterback that could get him the ball on a regular basis. Yeah, they had like Neil Anderson back in the day, a good back. They had Neil Anderson. And you know, he was he had a few, a few good running backs there, you know, but other than that, you know, they, they had they had some guys that could that could uh you know kind of break something off, but they just didn't have, like you said, a regular you would never mistake the Chicago Bears offense for Dan Faust and Air Coriel. You would no, hell warm. You would hell. never you would never mistake them for having Listen, explosive offense. I told Sorry. my guy, I have a I have a homeboy who's a uh, a Bears fan uh, that I was in the Air Force with, and I said, man, when you have to consider that Dan Orlovsky is one of y'all better quarterbacks since McMahon, dog, that is awful. Dan Orlovsky might have been one of the uh, Dan Orlovsky and Mitchell Trubisky are one. Or two of your better quarterbacks since Jimmy. Well, what's his name? Had had a good run with them too. Um, a year, McCown. Oh yeah, McCown yeah. Came yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I forgot about him, but you're right. Yeah. yeah. But nothing consistent, and like like, like the Browns and the Bears have kind of mirrored each other since the Browns have been back. They just couldn't find a quarterback. And we had explosive players, but we just didn't know what the hell to do with them. Like, right? We just screwed them around or whatever. Yeah, but uh, let me. Well, see. I mean, y'all try. Who else is out there? Let me see who's out here. Of course, uh, did we mention Levante David ever on the show? Ever? Oh no, I don't. I don't think we mentioned Levante David at all. <laughs> Not even once. Not even or, once. Or, or, or Bud Dupree. However, you know, Mr. David, I don't know if you see this behind me. That's a great bridge that we have here, right over the Cuyahoga River. It's one of the most awesome places. Uh, don't let those fires that happen on this river bother you. They haven't happened since I've been alive. Right. We're, we're and it's good. catfish in the Cuyahoga River. You want to go <laughs> Fresh river catfish. <laughs> Man, it ain't one live species alive in that river at all. It's nothing. <laughs> There is nothing lived in the Cuyahoga River. People, listen to me. Uh, and there, there, some people, there will be some people who <laughs> listen to this and think <laughs> that possibly we hate Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> We've just been in Cleveland long enough to understand the things that make Cleveland work and the things that make us kind of funny. We get it. We're just laughing at one of the things that makes Cleveland kind of funny. We had a river that is, you know, you put you put fires out with what? Water. But we have water that was on fire. As my guy Jim Rome says, what do you put that out with? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, also, let's not forget, Ryan Fitzpatrick is available. So is Richard Sherman. Man, Ryan Fitzpatrick is always available. Always, every year. He's he's got about thirty-seven jerseys, with about twelve teams. 
Right. So uh, Richard Sherman is available. Yeah, we talked about him. Did, did we talk about? We did, I'll take we did talk about Rich. I don't I'll know. Take I don't, on a one-year deal. I just Once again, I, yeah, I don't mind that. Not so for a lot much. of money. Yeah. But I'm not for a lot of money. It's the same thing to me with JJ Watt. You just can't do it. Uh, you can't do it for a lot of money. I, I'm against the whole. You know what? I can see bringing in Sherman and have him play that role that Deion Sanders played that one year in Baltimore. When when he comes in more as, as a mentor, as a locker room guy to stabilize um, that secondary. And I think Richter kind of wants to come here. So I think he does too, because he understands. And he played under uh, Joe Woods. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So. I think that's why he wants to come and be a part of this. Uh we also have uh Shaq Barrett. I don't I don't think he's leaving Tampa though. Um, but Shaq Barrett is available. Um William Jackson the third is available. He's not awful. He's better than the cornerbacks and the reserve cornerbacks that we have. So I Man, wouldn't be against Papa's is better than the reserve cornerbacks that we have. Yes, yeah, so anything <laughs> will be an upgrade at this point in time. <laughs> uh, Marcus so, Williams is available to safety from okay uh, from uh, New Orleans. I think he's decent. We we still need a backup. If you're not going to sign, uh, you know, a couple of the guys that we have that are uh, free agents. Uh, who are under one-year uh, contracts. And we're not going to sign yeah. these guys. You know what? And, and, here, and here's one thing we have to be careful of, too. Even though as bad as the defense was, I don't think you want to dismantle the whole thing by not bringing any of those guys back listen, at all. Listen, you I'm, know what I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think we need to bring Carl Joseph back, personally. Yeah, you need to, you need to bring a few of those guys back who's been in the system. Because he gets it. And then just fill it in with, with a couple. Yeah. So I think Carl Joseph should come back. This is what another reason that I discussed bringing back B.J. Goodson. I think yeah. you need to have guys that get it and that understand it so that they can put it on the newer guys that come in. I right. think it's important to do that. So I'm, I'm thoroughly with you on that point, bro. I, I think that's important as hell. If you can pull that off, I'm with it. I don't think you need to dismantle. Now, there are some people that I need to be gone. I don't think I need to say uh, specific names uh, like uh, Zendejo, but there are some guys yeah. that could easily be gone, and I'd be absolutely okay with it. Um, but there's one specific guy. Uh, there's uh, one guy, Carl Lawson. Again, if you want to talk about edge linebackers or uh, you know, kind of up defensive ends. Carl Lawson can do that. I like Carl Lawson in terms of what he does. I hate him because he plays for Cincinnati. But Carl Lawson is available, and Cincinnati is known for not re-signing uh, yeah. their people. So that could be the answer or the potential answer uh, to yeah. what we want to do. Uh, Mike Brown is definitely the the, the Mr. Magoo of the NFL. He ain't paying nobody. <laughs> he ain't paying nobody. He'll pay his quarterbacks. And he paid Andy Dalton and he paid uh, uh, Carson Palmer. But that's it. Like He uh, doesn't pay anybody else on that team. Yannick Ngakwe is available this year as well. I think he might re-sign with uh, Baltimore. I think they got the inside track on that, but we don't know. Right. So, uh, let's see. 
Let's see what happens with that. Uh, there was one more specific before we get the heck off of here. Uh, oh, Xavier Woods, another safety. If we're not going to re-sign Carl Lawson, I like Xavier Woods. I thought yeah, he, he was solid. solid. He was solid uh, in terms of, you know, of course, we, we already discussed Bud Dupree. I think Bud Dupree is uh, beyond solid. And, and, and then there's Leonard Floyd, who's another outside edge guy who can can blitz. Yeah, he's like definitely him. solid. Real solid guy. Very solid. So these are names that we're just like like dropping out there for the Browns to just, hey, man, you got to do your due diligence. You kicking tires on J.J. Watts. You got to kick your tires your tires on, uh, you know, on Floyd too, on Leonard Floyd. You have yeah. to, you have to kick your tires. Uh, KJ Wright. I don't know that KJ Wright is the answer. He's a little but, bit up there in age too as a linebacker. He is, but you got listen. He's a solid tank. That's the he's thing solid. I like about. That's the yeah. thing I like about KJ. He's very disciplined, and you need disciplined guys, especially on like third downs and shit. And I guess I can't be a hypocrite and say bring in Richard Sherman and not. Give uh, KJ Wright a look. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because he's he, 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 he's a he's a very 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 capable linebacker. To me, you got to bring in and think about everybody who could help whatever we do. Uh, I didn't know this. I didn't know this, but I'm rolling through this thing right now. Matthew Judon from the uh, from the uh, Ravens. Okay. Is, available as well and i remember i heard some whispers that baltimore is not probably going to bring him back because the number might be a little too high i did hear I heard that the same thing that's that's what i'm seeing right now is that they don't think that they're going to bring him back so you get a you get a guy let me check let me check some specs on this dude he's only in his fifth year so he's young he really hasn't had a serious injury. He, he's pretty healthy. And guess what? He's very active as a defensive line. I think that will work for what we're trying to do, man. And he's a good run stopper. Yeah. He's a solid tackler, good run stopper, and he's active. And you can move him into multiple spots. I've seen him in the middle. I've seen him on the edge. I've seen him at linebacker. He can drop back in coverage because that's how – Baltimore utilizes guys. Okay, right. You have to give it some thought going forward. The one thing I consistently say about us is that we have to we have to be more flexible. I understand that we want to be analytical, but we have to be flexible and think about what it's going to take to win not just our division, but what it's going to take to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's Super Bowl time now, baby. You know what I'm it's saying? Super, like, like today. Yeah, yeah. You can't say the owner just want to get into the playoffs or yeah. just winning the, winning the division. This ain't small yeah, no. time. What did I say in our last in our last uh when we lost game? While I, I blamed it on dude, what did I tell you the reason I was so angry for? I saw a shot for us to make it to the fucking Super Bowl. I thought we could make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. We could have beat Kansas City, gotten to play the Bills. What did I say? That coaching staff with that quarterback 
I'll bet on ours every day. And our running game, yeah, I got us. I got us. I got us. Yeah. We got it. I agree. We in. We at least got to the Super Bowl. So if we're legitimately a few play calls, legitimately with this awful defense, a few play calls from the Super Bowl, you can't mess this uh, uh, offseason up. You can't mess this draft up. So the free agency and the draft have to be married like a some bitch because that can change the fortunes in terms of depth for this team, in terms of pushing us over the top for this team and changing while we already got the culture to win the Super Bowl and to be in a Super Bowl. Who will get the culture to continue to be a part of Super Bowls? That can change everything. So this offseason is so important, which is why I keep talking about it and which is why I'm so interested in it. And I think Sean is in the exact same boat. Hey, well, what is the combine, man? Normally it would have been going on right now, but I know with COVID. Uh, we're still um, early, bro. We're still, no, it's still, it's February. I that's think what the combine, combine is. In March. The combine is always in February. I thought it started in, at, at, like at end of February, beginning of March. I thought it was like the last week, first week of March. Last week of uh, February, first week of March. That's what I thought. That, that, that could be it. Because I know free agency starts right after the combine. Is right after, yeah, yeah. So but I always remember the combine being in February, like maybe mid. Here, let me, let me take a look. Let me take a look while I'm on here. You know, COVID I already see. I already see like the, the quarter the, the quarterback ranking switching. You know, that's that too. Because they said, I knew that was gonna happen. Uh they said uh uh old sunshine uh is hurt. Yeah, and he, he might surgery. be getting some, some surgery or whatever. He had surgery to or he's about gonna have it tomorrow. I so believe. he's gonna be out for like the next five weeks. So you'll be able to tell how good people think he's gonna be by where he gets drafted, even though he's hurt. Because mm-hmm. that means that that team is going to be pretty much they're going to be without him for the for the season, at least the first part of the season. <clears throat> I think it's almost given he's going to Jacksonville. God bless him. What's but, uh, what's today? Today is the seventeenth. Yeah, like I say, it's uh oh, that's the twenty twenty one. When is the twenty twenty first? So last year's combine was February twenty third. And March second, which is what I thought. I All thought right. it was last okay. week into the first week of of March. So I, you know, I was right about that. Not to say that, not trying to say that you were wrong, but that's what no, I thought. No, I just knew I it started sometime in February. I knew it was, it was always sometime in February when it started. So, so when is when are they starting this one? Maybe they're not having a combine. Uh, twenty twenty one pro day schedules. Due to the pandemic. Oh, that's oh I'm, I'm sorry, I clicked on the wrong thing. I, that, that was the actual teams. When is the 2021 combine? Because apparently they're still having the uh the draft uh as scheduled, so Yeah, I can't. I can't. You know what? Everything that's coming up is from 2021. Uh, 2020. It's possible that they cancel the combine. So they may have for the COVID, but, you know, uh, 
for all of you guys who are interested, there apparently is still going to be a draft in April. And if you're interested in coming to it, it shall be somewhere behind me, somewhere uh, a little bit closer to that place. I think, I I think, in, Mall, I think in Mall C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it'll be here in Cleveland. Uh, we will definitely be a part of somewhere along those lines, a part of that. And we will be broadcasting some pieces and parts of that live. We're going to make sure that that happens. I just put that on Sean. Sean's like, are we? Yeah, but exactly. I just, already volunteered. My <laughs> no, I just, but I definitely want to. I just threw that out there because as I long as it's not too crazy, crazy, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah, because they haven't really even said how the setup is going to be yet, or yeah. how people. But I guess the the governor is probably like in a holding pattern before he decides on how he's going to let that happen. Well, he's so. already released a few things, so let's see how that works. We still got about right. a month or so, two months. Right, uh, to figure out logistically how that's gonna. That happen. would be cool, though, man. That would be dope if we could be down there and yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and just live. Although the Browns won't be picking until around like about eleven thirty. Yeah, you know that night. So it'll be late as hell that night, but it'll be cool for the first time in a long time. We ain't expecting the Browns to be in a lottery or you know drafting in the first 18, 15 picks. You know it'll be dope. To us, actually, you know, you think what's the third year in a row we're not picking high? Well, it's the yeah, but we could have all those three years, we could have, <laughs> we yeah. could have, but within this last year, like now, we're not so pressed. Like, if things weren't great this year, we would have been pressed to try to get to squeeze our way up top to get some, some better player potentially. Right. Uh, but for us to be able to sit back and feel like we're good or feel like you know, we don't necessarily need to do that. It's a plus. It's a plus for me, man. I I, I don't need that level of stress. Oh man, yeah, exactly. I yeah, I I I get I'd crazy. Much rather be in this position. Yeah, I worry about what what quarterback you know, we can draft and what coach we gonna hire, man. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know. We ain't talking about the the, the usual uh conversation. This is not the usual conversations for us, and that's awesome to me that we can walk away from this. Uh, from this podcast even and not even have we ain't had a conversation about the coach period really yeah. let's be honest I mean I, I I mentioned him but we really haven't had a conversation like who do we bring in or what do we need we we like oh no the coaching staff is good and the front office is good like we ain't even we're talking about players in certain positions people don't understand the value that we have right now yeah. and, and that just in that so yeah. now one thing that will be coming up soon uh and the Haslam's are doing a good job of kind of keeping this on on low is they're exploring stadium sites yeah. um, i've seen some, some articles about that yeah i did uh, see from city of cleveland that's coming and that's not going to be a fun fight when it comes because we don't like building new stadiums here i didn't but want to it's, it's coming I didn't want to put that on the, on the Facebook page until it became a little more concrete, but or on, on the IG page until it became a little. But I saw it and I started to, but I took it. I was like, "Nah, we're not going to do that yet," yeah. because it's not. They're just exploring right now. So exploratory visits, when you got a lot of money, tends to mean this is what's getting ready to happen. But it doesn't mean that it's getting ready to happen soon. 
But you can't be upset. The good part is they're actually looking around Cleveland. <laughs> they're not they're not looking, you know, like saying Tennessee or so far. So far. But that's why that's why I didn't want to put right. that. I didn't want to I didn't want to be the guy that freaked everybody out. So I just kind of let that sit. But I think I don't think that'll be a bad thing because I think that the stadium where it is logistically one of the worst places on in, in yeah, the city. it's just dumb. Yeah, it's, 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 it's dumb. a tough it's place to get dumb. to. It's a hell of a place to get out of, but it'll probably screw everybody who has kind of carte blanche right now, like West Ninth, West Sixth, uh, et cetera, East Fourth, all those places that kind of just pour right into where the stadium is. It, it kind of sucks for them. But you know what, though? Here's the thing. Uh, once things get back to normal, right, if the Browns are competitive, it ain't going to matter. All <laughs> those places are still going to jump. But people uh, because, gonna, all, all it's going to do is just spread it out. You now, know what I'm saying? Because right now, the Barley House and stuff like that, they'd be too crowded up in there, and you can't even move they do. They do. on Sunday. So it kind of just maybe just kind of spread that out a little bit. But and see, you still gonna have people down there. You're, you're, when it comes to me and you, you preaching to the choir, bro. I'm with you. They gonna go wherever the hell the Browns go. Wherever the Browns yeah. go, they gonna go. They gonna figure out parking. They gonna figure out tailgating. They're gonna figure it out because that's the cash. That's the cash cow right there. So they gonna figure it out. I'm with you. They can move. To, I don't want them to move it out of downtown, but they can move it wherever they want, and people are gonna come. If you build it, they will come. Yeah, now, now what so, would kill downtown those businesses if they did move the Browns out of downtown? Yeah, yeah. I don't think they need to move it out of downtown. Yeah, but either, either way, no matter where you put that stadium downtown, all the businesses on East East it's still West, gonna win. West, West, it's a win-win. Right. Here's where I think they're going to end up moving it because that space is still open. That same space that they talked about uh, moving when Art Modell was the owner. I think they're gonna move it right outside, adjacent to uh, uh, the gun, and adjacent to the Jake, uh, across uh, the on, on, on on the other side of the bridge, on across the ninety. Yep, because that's the like, most open like space. that Broadway, Broadway Orange. Yep, yep. Like right on Broadway and Orange and Huron kind of yeah kinda come together right there. Uh, yeah. The way you go down into the flats to get to the to the Cavs Stadium, yeah. you wanted to park in the back. Yep. Yeah, I think that's where it's going to end up being because it's the most open space. Ain't nothing there. There's probably no uh, contention in terms of uh, your, your, you know, the city saying no or yes. It's very open. So they'll be looking to fill that space up. The bigger question will be what would they be? Well, what would they do with uh, the current stadium being where it's at? Will they will they will they shove it into the to the lake like they did the old stadium uh, and make it breakwater uh, type situations or well they, the lakefront needs to be developed anyway man you need to they need to at some point yeah. we start could, developing that putting some Cleveland you know kind of worst, and shopping and all that stuff down there to me Cleveland is the worst developed city on the planet uh, we got this old school mentality where everything needs to just be like it was. And I'm against that. I think we need to, you know, be more current, move into the, uh, I don't know, hell, move into the 20th century. Now, tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong on this. This is my impression of Cleveland. 
And when I, you know, I still do a little Uber and a little Lyft on the weekends. And I get, you know, when you're getting passengers coming in from out of town, picking up from the airport, we always have a discussion because people, for some reason, Cleveland is like an enigma to most parts of the country until they come here. So when people come here, they always ask a lot of questions. And one of the things I say, one of the problems I see with Cleveland is that everybody that lives here is from here. And people tend not to like change. Um, so when you do changes, you kind of have to sneak it in on people gradually. So they don't even notice it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 am I, am I kind of right on that? No, like, I think you're spot on. And, and that's kind of where I was going. We like the old guard. We, we, we love the way things were. We love how things used to be. We don't like the way things are getting ready to go. So, but even with the Opportunity Corridor project, a lot of people are upset because it displaced some homeowners. And my thing is with progress and the city trying to grow, it's all like growth is always in life period growth is painful some everybody's not going to like what's happening but i do think like that project is needed because there is no like on the southeast side of cleveland there is no highway access or nothing well, and if you're in a cleveland clinic is going to be your biggest draw in university it's circle it's no it's easy way, way to get there off the highway i don't i don't disagree uh, but i but, do understand the other part, like if you lowballing homeowners and stuff like that, are forcing people off. And that's, and that's I get I'm that. Doing. I get that part. So, so, so it's a it's a catch twenty two. It's a catch twenty two. It it's a slippery slope. Yeah, it is. Uh, a slope. You you can't win for losing, and you can't always lose for winning. Um, but if you if you try to be fair, and I think that the, that that the city and these private entities haven't always been fair because you still do displace people. Now, why can't you run that through Cleveland Heights? But you're gonna do it through low-income folks that live in Cleveland? That's where the problem, because it's, it's almost like you're still disenfranchising people. You're yeah, still moving you're right. people. You're, right. you're still- Back in the day, it was supposed to be a highway that ran through Cleveland Heights. So it was supposed yeah, they, to be- They uh, broke that shit down. It was Shaker that, that yeah, pretty much Shaker blocked like 50 or something like that. Yeah, they killed it. Shaker killed it, but they have the cachet. They got the money. They have the the the, the skin color to talk that down. Right. Now, when they came into Cleveland, who listening to the people who live on any of these? Yeah, I've talked to a few people that, live, you know, and they were saying, yeah, they're like some people got decent offers. Some people didn't, you know, some people refused to move. And I guess they had to kind of move around. I don't know if eminent domain yeah. has taken place. That's, and I was going to say, that's exactly when the eminent, do uh, eminent domain came into play. Because I know, was wondering how they were going to do it. I was like, man, so you come off 490 at 55th. I was like, well, how in the hell are they going to get from here, like all the way over to uh, University Circle? They just redid all of that. Like, you know, we used to live over there, so they just redid Broadway. We were getting ready to buy a house right off of Broadway back in the day, okay. but it was it was in the middle of nowhere. It was like us and LTV, which was closed. Right. Like, we would have bought, like, bought that house. Now, 
that house, I looked it up the other day. That house we would have bought for about $40,000. Now that house, which ain't did nothing, ain't nothing happened to it. Like it's been no levels of updates, but that house now is worth like one fifteen. Oh wow. So I remember when they were doing the work around there, I kept saying to myself, something coming. It's something coming. They're not doing work on these streets and they're not doing work on the on these highways for nothing. There has to be money involved. They're never gonna change nothing if it ain't money involved around. Yeah, them. so one one thing about Cleveland. Because because this is happening nationally, where you're having all of this extreme gentrification going on um, in larger cities. Because for one thing, people with money and people in business, what they do understand, your country is only as strong and your business is only as strong as the core of your inner cities are. Yeah. So of course, so you went through the whole phase of you know white flight. Everything was pretty much decimated. Um, a lot of the inner city, especially in the Rust Belt, here in Cleveland, Detroit, Pittsburgh you know, Buffalo, those areas. But that infrastructure is still here. Um, so, you know, of course, they're trying to get people to move back into, you know, the core of the city. And, you know, when that's going to happen, you know, it's going to displace a lot of people. Property values are going to go up, um, you know, and things of that nature. And that's where the catch-22 is because you want your city to improve you want it to look nicer you want nicer neighborhoods you want safer neighborhoods but that's going to come you know at a cost which leaves a lot of the you know uh, lower income people you know in the dark and cleveland always being late to the party is just now starting to happen here you know they did it over in tremont um so that was like the first phase of it they did a little bit over um like in a waterloo area not a whole lot but a little bit over there and as i drive around the city i'm starting to see you know pockets on the east side starting to you know lean that way too i'm starting to see people out walking their dogs in the neighborhoods that you would never have caught caught people dead walking at certain times of the day so it's going to be interesting um to see how the city um how the city moves you know in the in the coming years see the crazy part is you always know like you say you always know when things have changed in the city when you start seeing uh people walking dogs when you didn't use see people walking dogs. So I remember when Tremont was not called Tremont. I remember when Tremont was the West 7th project. Yep. And it was, listen, you did not want to get off at that damn exit and be a part of that project area. Now, it's one of the nicest areas. I go to Tremont all the goddamn time. And I used to live, uh, you know, just about, a mile or so, maybe two miles. Oops, I didn't mean to bump the table. But uh, maybe two miles away from Tremont at any given time when I live on the other side of the city. So I spent a lot of time there and people used to be like, oh, I thought this was a nice area, but people keep breaking into cars. I'm like, yeah, y'all just displaced the people that used to live here. People used to break in more than just your damn car. <laughs> Like they right. break into your car and steal whatever's inside your car and keep it moving. You still got your car. 
Like in my mind, I'm like, you lucked out. Because used to be a time they steal your whole damn car. Mm-hmm. Used to be a time that they might shoot you while you in your car. But those are the changes, like you say, when you when you deal in gentrification and you deal in uh, rectifying uh, certain parts of your city because you do need that revenue in the heart of your city in order to support Browns, the Cavs. Yeah. And uh, one thing too that, that people have to understand, like a lot of people when it comes to cleaning up neighborhoods and stuff like that, people think, well, why don't they just do it you know, out of the kindness of their heart, like, you know, like, so people that's already living there, like, why don't they just clean it up for the residents that live there? And I said, this this world, unfortunately, it runs on money. If they're not going to just do it, like, like, like a private developer is not going to come in and just say, hey, I'm going to clean up this neighborhood and keep it low income for the no. people already here. No, they, they're trying to make a profit off of it. Um, and, I'm, and I'm under no illusions when it comes to that. It's all the end of the day. You can't be. Um, it's all about that green, and that's where the catch twenty two comes in. So, like I said, you want your neighborhood cleaned up, you want things to be a little bit better, but it's going to come at a price. Um, they're not going to do it for people. Look at Chicago; all them people in Robert Taylor homes and Caprini Green, they tore those down, shipped all those people out to the west side. They didn't care about those people that was there. No, but they didn't care the about west side folks. that neighborhood. That area is safer. You know what I'm saying? That, but that particular neighborhood is, but not the place where them dudes went. No. Because you know. I say the same thing for down on 36. Yeah, you tore you tore all those projects down. 36 between uh 34th and 38th, uh between where community college is and uh 40 yeah, yeah, yeah. where my church is at. Yeah. You tore all those things down. That was Longwood back in the day. Yeah. I just call it Longwood Heights because all you did was remove those people and move those people right back in there. So they got a newer place to live in, but they still the same folks. So what's different? You can paint a piece of shit, but at the end of the day, it's still a piece of shit. You can't change that. You have to change what goes in there. And like, I don't see that the same way that I see what happened on East 4th. East 4th changed. So they're not policing over there by my church. Trust me, they're not. The policing hasn't changed. However, you go down to 30th, all that stuff they're doing down there, the policing has changed down there. Yes. The policing has changed over there on Cedar by 105 where you got Cleveland Clinic. The policing has changed on East 4th. Again, we remember when East 4th Man, you could do whatever the hell you wanted to down there on East Fourth. Back <laughs> right. All now, yeah. So these are the things that you start to see when you start to privatize. And I get after people a little bit about that when they talk about, you know, when they go into socialism this and socialism that. I'm like, listen, these private folks are, are telling you you need to pay for these buildings and then pay for tickets to get into these buildings. That's the core of socialism. So you can't stray away from one of those things. You gotta be either for it or against it. You can't play on both sides of the fence. You can't, when a billionaire who could pay for this building to be built 
asks you for the money and then tells you you got to pay to get inside the building too. Yeah, because you know why? Because billionaires or even millionaires at that point, they don't like using their own money. The key is to not use your own money for that. So I'm going to use your money. That That's why businesses go public. Get invested. Oh, that's why. Yeah. You sure. know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to use your money and gamble and hopefully using your money to help build up my business. And therefore, now I can give you a return if I if I use your money right. Now I can, you know, return you, you know, give you, you, give know, you back some of your investment. Yeah, yeah rich folks. Bet, I was wondering, man, and, and, and not to get too far, so I know we got to end this, but like when the whole housing market stuff crashed back in 2008, and then, you know, you had these companies saying they couldn't meet payroll because the banks couldn't. I was like, wait a minute. Because in my mind, because I wasn't, I wasn't savvy, still not savvy when it comes to economics at all. I'm not going to pretend like I know. But I was like, well, if, if like Progressive is making, just using them as an example, is making XYZ in profits every year, why can't they just use the money from, you know, their profits to pay the employees? I had no idea that these companies were basically taking out loans. You know what I'm saying? You know, once again, not using their own money to, to do So I had no idea how all that was intertwined at the time. You don't yeah. understand it. And I listen, I didn't know that kind of stuff either. And But as you start to kind of climb those, I won't say corporate ladder, so to speak, but when you start to be in positions, because I ran a business that was a multi-million dollar business. I, I wasn't like the CEO, but I was in charge of the day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't understand how those things kind of similar to what you're saying. You don't understand how those things play out in your day-to-day stuff. Just like, man, I got to make sure guys get paid. I got to make sure that not just my employees get paid, but I got to make sure that the bills get paid too. And when they don't get paid, it affects how you get into your next phase. Right. But when you're just an employee, sometimes you don't see it on that level because in your mind. Yeah, man. Look, because because, because we are here, since we are here pretty much living check to check, scraping and scraping, it's a whole nother world out there that we're not um, privy to or not savvy yes, sir. at all. And it's time that we have to start getting, um, you know, economically literate, also politically literate. I hate politics. I hate them with a passion. Yes, but I understand that if you want to play that game, you have to learn how it works. Like we think just voting um, is all you have to do. And there's more to that. Here's the thing though, Sean. You know. And I don't want to miss I don't want to mislead people. But the truth is it's not about politics, it's about government. Because politics are just that. Just politics. Me and right. you can sit down all day and politics about Religion, we can politic about it. Yes. But how the government actually works and what's available for guys like you, guys like me, families like ours, we can win if we knew how the government works. Politics yeah. will tell you to vote Democrat. Politics will tell you to vote Republican. That's what politics are. But the government, that's where the shit is at. 
because I actually understand government and you do too. So I yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Freedoms being taken away, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And people just always assume that I'm a Democrat because I say that because I'm a liberal, whatever. Like, no, I call it freedom time. So what are you talking about? What freedoms are being taken Right. Those are first world problems that you're having taken away because you got to put on a mask to go to the store. But you right. can do anything you want to. That's freedom. Yeah. Freedom is being able to go where you want to go when you choose to. Freedom ain't going to this person's store and telling that certain, certain person, oh, you're going to serve me. That's not freedom. That's not freedom. Right. Because if you got on a shirt, pants, and shoes, but you don't want to wear a mask, it's the same way. Those, that sign say no shirt, no shoes, no service. But you got on a shirt and shoes. So walking there bare chested with no shoes on and no mask on, but you do everything that they say do in this store until they ask you to wear a mask, you think your freedoms got taken? No, they didn't. That's bullshit. That's just you being. A first world crybaby. Stop it. I and agree with you. Being taken away. And it's not being disenfranchised, it's having your freedom taken That's having your freedom taken And if you want to know real freedom taken away, steal somebody from another country. Because now we got commercials about sex slaves. And that matters. But black slaves were taken from a whole little country, having their freedom taken from them and made to work in a whole other environment other than their home. Stop talking to me about your freedoms being taken away because that's not what's happening. Cut it out. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, the thoughts and views of Ronald Pierce and Sean Davis does not reflect those of two guys in a mic and two guys in a mic. Incorporated. Today is my fault. It's my fault. My bad. But that's real talk. That's no, it talk. is. No, man. Like that's you said, talk. I agree. Understand the government. I with you the other day when I said that on your page. We have to get ourselves. We put that thing up there about work. We gotta get out of this work. About what now? Remember when you put that thing on your on your thing about uh, work? Uh, how, uh, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I just don't want to go to work. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Work, yeah. I think, I think we're gonna get to that point. I think this show might help us, even if it doesn't. I think this will be a, a, a kind of a caveat to get us out of that thought process. Because we own this show. This is our show. Nobody can tell us what to do with our show. This is our show. Only person that can tell me what I can or can't do on this show is a dude on the other side of the screen. And I can't even do that half the time. So <laughs> it, it's whatever. But look, let's go ahead, man. We we've ran it and raved the last half an hour. Stand here, by the way, I right. can't stand it. <laughs> so let's go ahead and and wrap up another edition of. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, for the for the tens and tens of you who are listening, right? Uh, we appreciate you guys, and we're gonna try to keep the content coming. 
We're going to try to keep ourselves relevant. We're going to try to keep uh, you guys interested in what we're doing. Hey, if we keep telling you guys, like, right now it's a slow period in sports. Like, if you want us to discuss a particular topic, yeah, hit us up. Good. Let us know. Like, we don't mind talking about boxing, wrestling, pro-wrestling. I'm glad you said that, Sean, because I'm at this particular point, we want to have to bring in other people and other topics. And guess what? We grew up in a wrestling era. So that's going to be a topic here real soon. Wrestling is going to be a topic. We can talk about pop culture, like movies or just a little bit. We ain't going to spray too much on sports, but every now and then, you know, maybe uh, a little slow news cycle, maybe we'll venture off every now and then or something like that. But give us some some suggestions about, you know, what you guys want to hear or want to talk about. And maybe we will invite you on the show as well. Um, and you can dialogue with it. So, Mr. Levante Davis, you can get on whenever you want to, especially if you're Exactly. Just throwing it out there. Did I say that before? I'm not sure if I said that before. Right. And I told him that we have cookies, cupcakes, Polish boys, you know, all, all the Cleveland staples, pierogies. Oh, listen, and we have an inside track to uh, Crumbs on the Table Cookie Company, exactly. Mr. Levante David. They will bring you cookies every week. Some, some of the best cookies in Northeast Ohio. Man, what? You know. Anytime you want them. Carte Blanche again. Carte Blanche. Carte Blanche. Remember that word. Exactly. Most people don't know what that means. Carte Blanche. So, all right, but you can catch this. Go ahead. Having said that, I just appreciate you, Sean. Uh, I appreciate uh, any of you guys who are listening, any of you guys who tune in to anything that we do, continue to check in with us. Again, two guys in a mic, uh, two on six on Facebook, on Instagram, on all of our streaming platforms from uh, Google excuse me, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, Anchor, all of all of those streaming platforms, that's audio, and then also on uh, YouTube, Two Guys at a Mic 216. Come check us out. Contact us. Holler at us. Uh, let us know if you like it. Let us know if you don't like it. We don't, we won't take offense. Let us know what you guys think. And right. uh, we can go forward from there uh, to make this show better and make it more fan friendly for you guys. Uh, also, if you have businesses, let us know what your businesses are and we can try to promote your business on the show. Trust me, if you're promoting on our show, man, you know how many millionaires we made? I'm like, Ike Turner. I yes. made a ton of millionaires. <laughs> I mean, a ton of millionaires. Not I turned him, man. Not <laughs> but for real, for real, please let us know all that stuff because we want to just continue to promote the local community and continue to promote ourselves. We love Cleveland. We're all about Cleveland. You can see our backgrounds. A man got downtown, uh, the whole downtown landscape on his background. Mine is the Cuyahoga River. Who does that? Only people who love this doggone city. We love it. We love y'all. Sean, I love you. Um, I love we'll you too, bro. We'll, we'll check in with you guys uh, real soon. Sean, you got anything? 
Nope, not at all. So we'll catch you guys on the next broadcast. So I hope you guys have a good rest of your week and be safe. Stay warm. Peace. Hey, y'all be careful out there, man. It's not, it's not good, but y'all be careful. Peace out.